Hi everyone. Wait, let me do one. Hey, hey, everyone. This is a busy podcast for people that see kids. This is Yamin and Sophie, and me. We're doing all our podcasts together, but we want Daddy to get up a podcast too. Yes, I think Daddy's yeah. gonna be on the last episode. Yeah, I think Daddy's gonna be on the last Hi, episode. Everyone. everyone and welcome to our last episode of the first season of It's Good Sometimes. This is Tammy um, and today's a little bit different this episode. We, we've been really wanting to talk about dads and the role of, of dads and, and the role of the other parent in, in feeding. Um, and so this episode We've been, you know, we've been thinking about doing interviews. And so Lauren just kind of tested it out with her partner, Fergal, one night. And we just thought it was really great. It was a really good conversation. It was, they're both a little tired, (laughs) admittedly, but um, it's a really good conversation, just like really rich. And I think some of the things Fergal said even surprised Lauren. And so we hope that you all enjoy it. We just decided to post it as is. I think it wouldn't have been the same if if we had kind of done it in a more formal interview style. So we hope you get a lot out of it. We hope there are some dads out there who kind of feel where Fergal's coming from. And um, yeah, so here we go. So we have Fergal here today, my partner in crime. We have two children. Or Fergal, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? We have two children. I am your partner in crime. <laughs> um, no, our, our two-year-old, we have a two-year-old and a almost four-year-old before in a couple of months. And uh, we're together seven years now. Yeah. Seven years. Mm-hmm. Three Lucky more seven. to go. <laughs> Three? <laughs> Thirteen. Okay, so thank you for coming on today. We really appreciate it because you, um, you're our first dad interview. Yay, yo, yeah. yo. So I want to take us, I kind of want to just take us back to that first year when we had our first baby. And I want you to think about how it was when it came. Our daughter was bottle fed, so she wasn't breastfed. So you were, you were involved pretty much from the start, right? Like I was giving you those nighttime feeds quite a bit. Oh yeah. Um, And I'm just wondering how it was for you, what it was like to bottle feed. Were you... At the point of bottle feeding, did you think about her cues or kind of like looking at her, like to let you know when she was full, et cetera? Um, and then when she started solids, what was it like? And did anything surprise you? Oh, yeah, there's a lot, actually. So bo- bottle feeding, um, I remember her being quite colicky at the start. Lots of screaming. Lots of screaming, um, like insane screaming. Um, but then when that passed, the bottle feeding, uh, it's... I do actually remember now, like when the amounts that we were giving her in the bottles was kind of increasing over uh, the weeks as she got bigger. And I almost saw that as a kind of a target or something to be aiming for. I don't know if I ever told you this, but it was like, <laughs> this is awkward. Um, she was force fed for the first yeah, no, no, she, wasn't, she wasn't force fed, but like, I can't remember what the, what the dosage was, but like, let's say it was 100 mils and the next feed would be giving her 120 and it was almost like a badge of honor to say like, oh, she drank 100 mils tonight. Oh, she drank 120 mils tonight. And so um, subconsciously I, or maybe consciously, I was almost like 
hoping or willing for her to have that bigger amount because then it's like, oh, she's getting bigger. And I didn't tell you this before, but that it's happened. all kind of messed. But yeah, anyway. So that happened anyway. So yeah, there probably was an element of me without knowing any, any better or whatever. Um, I wouldn't say force feeding her, but like encouraging her or trying to like, you know, are you done yet? Are you sure? Will you have some more? That kind of thing. A little bit more. And that was the bottle fed. Sorry. <laughs> but that was before I knew anything. Um, and then when it came to like, feeding like introducing solids and you know we had her on up in the high chair and would have given her some kind of pureed food like mashed bananas or something equivalent to that and I remember like spoon feeding her and obviously it was very messy and um, uh, if she was if she was kind of pushing back, I, I think at this point you'd had enough words at me that I knew not to do this. So I wasn't forcing or I wasn't kind of introducing any kind of pressure. I was holding back and letting her lead the way um, a bit more. And that in itself was interesting because like you're trying to, again, like um, go back to this kind of badge of honor thing, if you want to call it that, of like, um, oh, she ate all her food. So it was hard to reconcile, like having to want, wanting her to eat all the food and then also allowing her to lead and follow her her cues so if she was pushing back and to kind of respect that you know yeah and I think that's a really interesting point because a lot of people kind of grew up with this idea that we finish our food right and um I wonder for you like if that was playing out where do you think that that came from yeah totally I think a lot like my generation um no, I, I wouldn't say necessarily I got this specifically in my home, but certainly at the time I was growing up, and I think a lot of this this messaging is still in place today of like concepts of, um, you know, you must eat all your food or, um, you know, certainly when we were growing up, it was th- this like idea of think of all the starving kids around the world who don't have these options and this shame induced thing where you, you feel like you have to finish everything in front of you because that's a privilege. Um Two things like uh, no dessert before you eat your dinner first or eat all the vegetables and stuff like that. So I think a lot of that messaging um, was probably still in the back and is still in the back of my mind. Like when I when I see our kids and, and just the waste sometimes that comes with it. Like, you know, even today with our two kids, like they don't always finish their meals and that's fine. They mostly don't finish most, their meals. They mostly yeah. don't. Yeah. So there's a lot of food waste and obviously, you know, part of the solution is trying to find that right balance of how much to give in the first place so we don't end up wasting it. But it is like it is hard to see that food being thrown out. And I think that's kind of underpinning some of my concerns. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember like the things that I, I don't know your family well um, because they don't live in Canada, but um, that that comes from somewhere for them, right? I have a sense for your family where kind yeah, of well, that messaging came from. But I think if... Even our parents have experienced some type of food scarcity was, or didn't have access to food on a regular basis or didn't have enough of the foods they needed. That can sometimes really play out in the next generation with their own kids, right? And yeah. that's why Tammy and I are doing this work. Yeah, and I grew up in Ireland and, you know, um, there's a lot of history about um, poverty and scarcity and like coming from famine ages, you know, so not not necessarily affecting my parents, but certainly their parents. Um, and so I think that probably manifests in over generations as well. So, um, and your dad. And my dad, yeah. And so like he went to boarding school. He talked about like scarcity in his environment, in his school, like where if he didn't eat it, 
um, fast enough, there wouldn't be enough for seconds and stuff like that. And so I, re- I remember distinctly, like growing up around the dinner table, we're all very fast eaters. And I know you hate that. Virgil is the <laughs> fastest eater I've ever met. Like he can finish finish his meal within two minutes. The race so, to the bottom. The race to the bottom. And I guess all of the kings are like that. I have not spent enough time with the siblings, but um, they do tend to. I think eat pretty rapidly. Yeah, and it's funny because now I'm aware of it, but I'm not necessarily any better at it. And I think having kids, um, it doesn't help either because it's often like uh, I have to eat fast because I have to feed them or I have to clean up after them or I have to do something else or I'm going to rush out the door to go to work or something. So it is hard to um, sit down and slow down everything, you know? Yeah, and I think with kids, more is caught than taught. So kind of trying, trying our best to kind of kind of display those behaviors as early as we can yeah. um, it can be really helpful for them. So what do you think is important to you or did you ever think about this kind of, I know that we're together, so I probably have given a lot of unsolicited advice over the last four years, but when it comes to feeding, but what is important to you as a dad and a parent um, when you feed your kids? Um, I think like, Oh, that's a good question. Probably the basis, like the underlying um, main concern or like thing I would have would be that their kind of nutritional needs are met, whatever that actually means. <laughs> but more than that, um, secondary thing, or not, I shouldn't say more than that, but like a secondary thing would be, I'd like to introduce some kind of variety or see them, like their, their palate uh, increasing over time. But generally that like they're... They Can- get, can I ask why? Um, like why the variety matters to you? Uh, well, probably it, 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 it lessens the limitation on things. Like if there's, if we're concerned about their nutritional needs being met, like they need to have a certain amount of protein or carbohydrates or something, and they only eat one thing, then it really limits what that carbohydrate or protein is. And not just for them, but also for us. Like I find sometimes like our meals are limited based on what the kids can eat or will eat or choose to eat or whatever. So um, I think that's probably it. Okay. Do you think there are any benefits to the way, I mean, you can kind of explain to us maybe how we feed. Like, is there anything that you tend to do when we feed or do you have an agenda or do you follow kind of any I follow your rules. rules. I follow what you tell me to (laughs) do. What are my rules? (laughs) Um, Well, I, I think... You know, one of the things that you've I've seen, like that we do based on your instruction, is like this idea of just putting the food down uh, on like family style, like put it in the middle of the plate in the table, and ask them to kind of pick what they want and how much of that they want as well, and also if they want more, if they eat a full plate of something, and this often happens more so with breakfast, uh, particularly with Olivia, like if she has a bowl of something, and she might ask for seconds. And I'll give her more. And then occasionally she might even ask for a third. And one time there was like a fourth or a fifth. And I just kind of went for it because I was following what you were telling me. So like, And you just, panicked too, and, right? Oh, yeah, I definitely panicked. Like you came like, in and said, you just had three bowls of Weedabix. Yeah. Or five Weedabix. Five Weedabixes. <laughs> and it wasn't just the panic of like, is she going to get sick? It's the panic of like, what's the toilet bowl going to look like? <laughs> and like? And never mind the food scarcity going back to that in our own yeah. home as well. Like, so... Um, there was a bit of panic just by the sheer volume. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, I'll leave it there, like for now. But like, it, there's that, and I think, but I think it's like generally, I kind of trust the process of like 
they'll know, kids generally know kind of when they're full and they don't have the social cues that maybe adults would have and the concerns that creep in with adults. Like I think they they know when they're hungry and when they're not. And um, one of the things I really appreciate that's kind of opened my eyes a bit more is like the the idea of giving them things that are that are typically kind of like forbidden for adults sometimes or bad foods for adults. And I think exposing them to them a bit more helps to reassure that they're it's not actually a scarcity, you know, and, and um, I think that can change their their own relationship with food over time. So And it's it's kind of I've seen it, I mean I don't know if you have, but I've definitely seen it where we've kind of offered these moments of unlimited cookies or unlimited whatever the food is that they're really wanting and they stop, right? Like they sometimes they'll have two cookies and sometimes they'll have five. Yeah. But it's that trust of knowing that they actually know their bodies. Right? Yeah, and I have to say that was like, like, um, uh, I'm trying to find the right word here, but like, um, almost scary at the start for me. Like it was because when you were introducing cookies and saying like have unlimited cookies, what I was thinking was like well, they'll only ever want to eat cookies from now on or they'll think they can have this all the time and how will we deal with that? How will we say no to them if this is just like a treat or something like that? But it hasn't actually happened. Like it's, I think they, they... I think because they know they're going to get it regularly. Exactly, so yeah. They know, they have they know they're going to get it. So they're not, like it's counterintuitive in some ways. Like they know they're going to get it and therefore they don't kind of, Badgerous. Like, they don't badger us. They don't ask for more all the time. They don't like try and hide it or like um, scream for more or anything like that. They they know that this is not the only opportunity and that more opportunities will come. And so, like as you said, if they're if they don't want any more, they'll say I'm I'm fine. And that's I've seen, I've, that's really surprised me actually. It's like you give them chocolate and they ask for more and that's fine. But then occasionally they'll say I don't want any more and that. If, in my mind, I thought like kids will kids won't know how to regulate. They'll always think. Yeah, and I think more. a lot of times we kind of impose our own experiences or our own beliefs and ideas around food yeah. onto our kids. So I hear that a lot. That there is there's quite a bit of distrust when it comes to especially sweets or foods that kind of, as you put quotation marks, bad foods. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there is this feeling that if you don't trust yourself as an individual around certain foods, mm-hmm. i.e. mini eggs, um, it's just an example that came to mind, <laughs> <laughs> that you don't believe that they will have that trust, right? And that's probably because um, you might not have had those opportunities to self-regulate, right, at a yeah. younger age. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things. It's like, um, well, what if we give them a lot of stuff and what if my poor habits or relationships um are kind of imparted on them like are we are we enabling them to to do that is number one and number two is that i think you touched on was like the kind of the messages the societal messages that we hear or see around the the good versus bad of Mm -hmm. food and like how we're um kind of addressing that with our kids as well and what they're having and how we kind of reconcile those differences a bit, I think. Okay. What do you think has been the hardest thing for you when it comes to feeding your kids that you really didn't anticipate? Um, the kind of lack of variety um, in, in their 
palate a little bit right now. Plus the amount of food that ends up on the floor and cleaning it up and vacuuming it up every day. But that's that's, that's the mess, kind of yeah. The mess that comes with it. But I think it's really the, the um it seems quite limited sometimes, and I think that can be hard. Um And I think it's important to really because and I'm gonna call out Tammy in this because um Tammy and I have had these conversations a lot over the last couple of years about per- the perception of variety versus variety. And I'm going to expand on that a bit. But when, for our kids specifically, they will eat, I would say, most fruit. If you put fruit in front of them, they would probably eat 20 different types of fruit. Would you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And probably 20 different types of bread or bread products. Yeah. Possibly some pasta. Cheeses. Definitely different types of cheeses. Um, nuts. Oatmeal. Um, tofu sometimes. Crackers. Beet, hummus. So when you actually start to think about the variety, when you really kind of add it all up, and that doesn't include foods like potato chips or French fries, like sweet potato fries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think what... Is it as much is it as limited as you think it is it's not as limited i think what you're touching on is like they will eat these things some or most of them individually but yeah let's say pasta with the combination some sauce or broccoli or chicken or something on it they won't eat those things together the combo yeah the combo stuff yeah um, and that is really frustrating yeah it requires kind of like taking some of the pasta out when we're cooking it and leaving it plain and maybe they'll eat it um or maybe they won't but yeah but yeah, I'm not um, dismissing your idea around variety. I just think it's a good idea to challenge the idea of variety. Because yeah. sometimes we can say, oh, my child is a picky eater. But when, then if you really sit down and make a list, it's actually quite a bit more than you may think. Right? Yeah. Um, but I won't disagree with you. Like that is really frustrating, the, kind of those meals, at, at the dinner meals. Uh-huh. Um, so I think we're going to wrap it up because we're getting... We're already at 16 minutes and we've been doing this for a while, but is there, my last question for you is, and we kind of touched on this a bit, but is there a difference between the way you feed and the way that you are fed? But not only that, since we've been together and since kind of you've adopted maybe a different style of feeding, has your relationship to food changed or your idea of, of how we feed, feed kids change? Um. Yeah, I'd say it has. I think like, I think I see a lot of value in kind of allowing the kids to have more autonomy, like of kind of what or how much they eat in a way that I probably didn't have or like my generation, not just me specifically, but like me growing up that generation didn't have. Like I think food, we were, you know, food was on a plate and often we were told to eat it and eat it all up and uh you know this idea of no desserts until you eat your food so i think some of that's definitely been uh changing for me so, um i do still struggle with things like um kind of the the concepts of of certain food types that are like classed as good or bad for you um, and and how to navigate some of that because I think like knowing what what to give or how much to give can be hard sometimes. Like when you're say giving like a serving of dessert, is that what you mean? Yeah, or even like 
um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, I'll say it because it's just you and me right now, but like the other day when I was asking like, what's for dinner? And there was no idea. And, I mean, it's, I and, and you, you suggested cereal. <laughs> and I was saying no, like, so I had to step up and find something else to cook. And I think like you suggested cereal because it was a shitty day. One of our kids was sick. Like you didn't have a break at all and lots of other things compounding. Um, but, you know, I think what's interesting is kind of like challenging these ideas. It's not like we're going to get them cereal every day. But like what I, one of the things I really appreciate you trying to bring in to this conversation a bit more is like, what's the, what's the problem with somebody having cereal? Like they're getting food, they're, um, I don't know, it's carbohydrate, I guess. Is it like milk? Well, there's dairy and dairy. grains. Yeah. yeah. So like, what's, what's the issue with that? And I think, you know, for me, part of it goes back to like what a meal should look like and cereal is not a dinner time meal. So I don't like, that's that's the only example I can think of. I can't I can't articulate like why it what what's really wrong with it. And you know, maybe that's for you to tell me, but um so it's still kind of navigating some of those things I think is hard. Kind sometimes. of like that dissonance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you have it. So that's it. We hope you enjoyed that conversation. And we really want to say thank you to everyone who who was with us for this first season listening and contributing questions. We look forward to being back in September. And we wish you all a wonderful summer, whatever, whatever it is you're getting up to. You can find us in the meantime at OSG Nutrition on Instagram or on our website, www.osgnutrition.ca. Take care.